start my introduction. Well, we're in the sermon series in Acts, and last week I didn't drop that, but we'll put it back here. Last week we had uh, we uh, met the Ethiopian eunuch, and he got saved gloriously, and he went on with his way rejoicing, and and filled. He found himself in a different city, and he just kept preaching the word all the way until Caesarea. So that's a fantastic, great time. Oh, I have to think there. Thank you. So the, the I gave it this is a, a fantastic title, I think, myself. Uh, a Light from Heaven. <laughs> enemy becomes a disciple <clears throat> and so oh, I, I just gave that introduction um, so we're going back to hear about this person Saul whom we first encountered at the stoning of Stephen and Saul, Saul really approved and, and thought it was really good that Stephen got stoned and we see, saw he had some authority because people were leaving their cloaks at the feet of him. So he was a little too fancy to kill Stephen himself. He just stood there while all the people did the work. So we're coming back to hearing more about this song. But before I read, or before we read together, I would like just to point, point out some things. Some contrasts that I saw. See how the powerful one becomes the one that has to be led by the hand helpless? That the person whose eyes are open is actually blind? That Saul is trying to persecute and kill the people that are following Jesus? And he goes on to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. We see that Saul is asking for letters because he wants to bring people to justice. But Jesus, the judge, asks Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's just some things, just to, just some concentrate contrasts that I found. Maybe you found even more as we will read together. But let's read together from Acts 9. But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priests and asked for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do, what you are to do. The men who were traveling with and stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. 
Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord says, Go, for he is my chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. And kings and children, and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias the Pagan entered the house, and they laid his hands, or he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Now this is a story with this story is actually told three times in Acts seven and seven commentator said and he was also saying so well, Luke is actually gonna tell us this story three times. So it must be like an important story also. But Has that happened to you? 
Because if we know Saul, he he tells his story later that he is he's extra super focused on honoring God with his life. But in being super focused on honoring God with his life, he actually misses to see who God is. He has a strong desire and very zealous for God. But in all that, he's blinded to see who God really is. So maybe just a challenge for you and to me to think about, like if we really want to live, like Mario said, we want to seek the kingdom first, we want to live for Jesus. All of these times where, these times where someone or something gets you so mad or so fired up that you lose sight of what you really want to do, of what your real goal is, you might hand out judgment or curse someone or condemn someone. Uh, but we really wanted to honor Jesus. But something just makes it, it makes your mind blow up. Well, I think it happens daily. Absence at workplaces, families, school, and jobs. Or have you ever yelled at the TV? Or at the, at the internet when you saw something? Or oh, you remember the story from the Old Testament when David, he gets so mad, he's so passionate, and so frustrated and angry, and he says, that man should die. And Nathan says, that man is you. Can we sometimes be blinded by frustrations and hate? That we actually not do what we decide to do want to follow Jesus. So I said before that Paul is probably the one, he's, he is so passionate this time. He's so passionate. He goes, this is a pretty far journey, and he goes and says to the high priest, you know what happens to Stephen, that was great. We'd like to see more of that happening. I'm willing to go to Damascus. I know it's a little far. You write some letters. I'll bring them to the synagogues there. I find anybody, man or woman, that falls this way, this uh, heretical sect, and I will drag them here, and then if it works out, he will kill those people too. And the high priest and the council are like, yeah, okay, this man needs to sell us for God, doesn't give him these letters. And so he goes there, wanting to come back with people in chains. But Jesus lights him up on the way. Jesus comes and he throws him to the ground with his glory. And then he asks, Jesus asks this really, really good question. But in a tender, tender way, but still you got to listen, so he repeats his name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul would be like, I'm not persecuting you. 
say, I've persecuted these people who follow the way. But Jesus includes himself in all the believers. But here, I'm the head of these people. You're persecuting me. But why would Jesus even comment on Paul? Jesus knows all the things he's done. He knows, like, he knows his heart that he's out to get these people. Jesus knows everything about him, but he still comes after Paul. The main encouragement for us is have you ever felt unworthy? I can just assume that you are, we are unworthy. But here we see that Jesus, he initiates and he saves Paul, and he saves Saul. Even when Saul was trying to destroy Jesus and his people. I found it encouraging this to reflect on that, and I've heard from, from other mission, 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 mission agencies that this is still happening in places. That the very people that are putting followers of Jesus to death, they become believers afterwards. So that Jesus is still doing this. Jesus is still turning enemies into family members. And like and like the oh this was not planned, but but are we okay with that? Because that was a big question I got the food like, are we okay with people that kill Christians? That they are all of a sudden Jesus saves them, that they're part of a family. That's always the same. We are unworthy, but Jesus came to save us from all the things we've ever done around. And he came after Saul. Saul responds in this confusion that says, uh, Who are you, Lord? The good question here is just to stop and think about it. It's like, are you confused about who Jesus is? The world is definitely confused about who Jesus is. Many people think that maybe he's a good moral teacher. <clears throat> maybe he existed, maybe he existed, maybe he existed. Well, if he did, he liked, he liked little children, and he liked sheep, he had long hair, had these weird people he hung out with. So there can be some great confusion about maybe who Jesus is. But as we read in the book of Acts, it's not the case that Jesus is just like that. Jesus himself says, I am the Son of God, and I am actually one with the Father. So the so the world can be very confused about who Jesus is. But the Bible teaches Jesus says that God has also reminds us we're getting from uh, Luke 2 when they present Jesus. Simeon says, Now I can die. This is the one that was coming. Emmanuel God with us. He's the second member of the Trinity. And here in Acts we see. The word used for Lord all the time it means that He is God and Savior, Jesus. 
Saul's confused, so Jesus explains and says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I'm not Greek, like, I'm not a Greek scholar, but if you remember when when God reveals himself in the bush to Moses, he says, I am that I am. Or I am that I be. I am. I am very being. Jesus says, I am. Jesus. Whom you are persecuting. But rise and go into the city, and I'll tell you what to do. I was just thinking, and at this point in time, you got to, if you're in Saul's mind, okay, so I am Jesus, the eternal God, the person that I thought I was actually serving, just came back from the dead to, because I didn't believe that he rose, I believed what the Jews said, that they'd just taken his body and thrown it somewhere. He just came back from the dead, shined this great light on me, knocked me to the ground. Now he's talking to me that I persecuted him. What does this all mean? And now what? Jesus tells him what to do to go into the city. His dragon companions are also stunned and confused. They've heard something, they don't know what they heard. But they, they're standing there and they see Saul get up and his eyes are open but he can't see. It's kind of symbolic how his whole life has been until now. He was so committed to God but he failed to see who God really is. So his friends or his travel companions they help, help Saul by leading him into the city. And then this man with this beautiful name, or this name, who, who redeems this name, because the last time we heard this man, this name, well, he lied to the Holy Spirit and got killed along with his wife. But this man, Ananias, he doesn't. He's such a faithful servant. He shows so much love and grace to Saul. It takes a little bit of a talking. Jesus says to Ananias, um, oh, and he says, he just calls out his name. He just, Jesus says, Ananias. And then Ananias responds, Here I am, Lord. Reminds me about when, what Eli told Samuel to do. If somebody keeps talking, just say, Here I am, Lord. So he does. Then Jesus proceeds to tell Ananias what to do. Go and find Saul. He's actually praying now. He's seen a division. A man with your name come to pray for him. That he might that he might receive his sight back. And then Ananias is kind of like, okay, okay, I know you're Lord Jesus, but I still have a question. Uh, you do know who this man is, right? <laughs> because I've heard that the saints first time we hear this word about the Christians, that they're saints. And that he's done a lot of, like he's persecuting your people, your saints in Jerusalem. And you know, he has letters and he's actually come here to find people like me to drag me back in chains. And Jesus is like, yeah, 
good. He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name to the Gentiles and to kings and to children of Israel. And I'll show him how much he will suffer for my name. And Ananias is like, okay, huh, I go. He finds, <coughs> he finds Saul, he lays his hands on him. And he says, Brother Saul. And then he starts explaining to Paul, the Lord Jesus that you saw on the road, he sent me here that you might receive your sight and receive the Holy Spirit. And Ananias invites Saul into God's family. Brother Saul. And then Luke, he has this tendency to, to, uh, to uh, record uh, medical things. So he says, like, something falls from his eyes. Some scales from, fall from his eyes. Paul, Paul responds. He gets, he gets baptized. And his response so far has been fasting and praying for God to reveal himself. God has revealed himself in Jesus. He gets baptized, he gets strengthened by food, and immediately he starts proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. Jesus is God, from enemy to bold preacher of the Lord Jesus. And here I chose to take a break from the text until next week, because I couldn't handle the whole text. But we're going to continue with Paul next week also. Jesus received. Then like, okay, what does all this do with us? Well, Saul is from Tarsus there, and we have the things going on here, and he's a Paul's pre-conversion journeys and conversion journeys. And we're going to hear a lot about a lot more about who Saul is, but we'll take it as it comes. But we see him going from his strong enemy of God to becoming one of the people who, who just speaks out who Jesus is. Jesus reveals himself to Saul and to people today. There can't be no salvation if Jesus doesn't let the Holy Spirit reveal himself to us or to other people. That's why we pray for other people because Jesus has to do something in people. Why? Well, because we all have this bent to sin. We are even supposed to be able to see God in creation, but we suppress the truth and worship creative things instead of a creator who's best for everyone. And we do that maybe because the world of flesh and the devil pressures us. We need new eyes to see. Like John Newton said in the old song. I once was blind, but now I see. Jesus speaks, he speaks directly to Saul and to Christ. We have the very words of Jesus recorded here in Acts by Luke and in the Bible for many authors. When we read the very words of God, do we pray to, do we listen? Do we look for what do we need to obey? And I know for myself, Busyness, noise, lack of fun, lack of sleep, or coming to play here, if whether or not we're quiet enough to hear what God is asking us to apply as we read. But what an exciting example we have here in Ananias. 
He, he just obeyed. Well, I mean, he has a question, but he obeys Jesus and he prays for his enemy. And the enemy becomes part of his family. Remember when Jesus says to pray for your enemy? What an amazing example this is. Praying for your enemy actually made it part of the family. Praying for our enemies can make them part of the family. Jesus gives vision and he gives foresight. Jesus doesn't say this just to sit on our behinds here in church. No, you see, and we see maybe a stream here with Paul. As soon as he is saved, he goes on, he goes on his mission. As soon as he gets it. He runs and uses his gifts and his talents in the synagogue. Paul has great knowledge of the scriptures. Old Testament. And he can see how everything works. Because if Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Lord, he can explain that to everyone there in the synagogue. Jesus is the Son of God. We also learn in Jesus' address to Ananias that Saul is going to suffer for the name of Jesus. But how does that sit with you? Because I think in our day, the whole part of suffering for Christ maybe is not so well received. And can God really tell us we have to suffer? But maybe that's also got to do something with how we view God and what happens when we're supposed to suffer for Christ. Are we okay with Jesus saying those things? Are we okay with knowing what's going to happen? Are we okay with are we okay with are we okay with Jesus knowing what's gonna happen? Jesus we see here knows what's gonna happen. You'd be like, but what about what about Ananias free will? What about the donkey's free will or the fish's free will? Those references are to the people that bore the donkey or when Jesus has to pay the temple tax. See, I don't know where you are, but I, I uh, maybe this is not the best apologetic example, but I don't have a problem with it. I think any true God should know the future. And if the, if the psalmist, when he describes, like, God, you know what the words before they even on my tongue. I remember this question I got one time. I had been a Christian too long. And some, uh, I think it was at a camp, a teenager asked me about, does God know the future? I don't remember my answer, but I think it wasn't as good as a few weeks later. It's like, of course he knows the future. Because as we read scripture, Jesus knows what's going to happen. And God's not really God. He doesn't really know what's going to happen. But I think the challenge for you, maybe, or for, for us, is like, are we okay with that? Are we okay with God being like, I know what's going to happen. This, these things are going to happen.
There's two sides to this, and I think I've shared a couple times. There's the conflict side where, where, where this goes to also Paul. It's really good and comforting to know that God knows everything about me. All the things, all the bad things I did that nobody else knows. He truly knows who I am. And he still said, Jesus, to show his love for me. There's another side where if you're trying to hide things, if you're trying to want to live in a way that is not ethically or morally fitted to God, it's like, like Michael was saying earlier, if you have a if you want to live for material pleasure or other things, well, then you got a problem with who God is. So historically, people in the Enlightenment and before has tried very hard to just lose or change who God is so that they wouldn't ethically morally be responsible to an unknown God. Because if an unknown God knows everything, he also knows all bad things that even other people don't see them.
And all things you know, like, all those things are known to Jesus. It's not like he doesn't know. And important, the importance is that God knew and still he showed us his great love by sending Jesus to the world. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in, the, in Christ Jesus, we can truly have a bond life that everybody wants, but they're trying to get out of God's plan to do it. No, it's in the perfect plan of God that a bond life really is true freedom, true joy, no condemnation, true relationship, being part of a family. Not finding your significance, but having significance in who God has made you to be. I'm just, I'm so encouraged by it, and I ask, he's such a, like, I just, I think it's because I don't remember his name or anything, but I, he's just, I think he's such a good picture of, of faith. He believes what Jesus says, and he does it, and he invites this persecutor into the family of God, as God totally changes who he is. So what do you respond to who Jesus is? How do we respond? You guys online here, some of you have known Jesus a long time. Paul, he, he responds to baptism and he starts doing what, he starts doing what, what Jesus has asked him to do. What has Jesus asked you to do? Jesus saved you, he's given you gifts and abilities, he's given you a job. Are you doing it? My last, just summing up of everything is Jesus' power and love for us and our enemies is very great. And the honor of his name is even greater. So the power and love God has for us and our enemies is great. The power that the Trinity the love and honor and joy and power that the Trinity has together for the sake of their name is even greater. And we can be part of that by being part of God's family. We are joined with God in Christ. Then I have like these tons of questions here for you. Um, Are you blind? Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you were blind. Jesus gave you something. <coughs> who is the Lord? In the passage, we just have Lord. It's explained over and over again that, is, that Jesus is the Lord. Who is your Lord? Who saves? Do you save? No. Are you saved? Who saved you? Who is in your family? And who could go? Who can become part of the family of God by adoption? Does somebody hear your prayer? Who? What is your mission? What is your job in life? What has God created you for? Who knows everything? It is not Luke. 
that's it, because I have more, but I stopped. So that's just that's some, uh, some things just to reflect, and they're just questions about what I just said. Um, and so, just wanna, that's what I wanted to encourage you with. Um, I think it's such a beautiful story about how it's about Jesus. It's what he wants, it's his will. He blows up this man with a light. Saul's like, I can't see. Fasting, praying, three days later, and then comes to praise for him. Comes a believer. A few days after fast, he preaches what Jesus is doing. I think we can see some of our own story. That we were once alienated, but now we were at, we were we were saved, gloriously, to Jesus. So my encouragement is that is that true for you? And also, is that encouragement that God has actually made you for something? He, if you are a believer, He has saved you into an family, into adoption, but also to send you back out to invite more people to get to know Him. And I know a lot of people are maybe a little over-focused on, on going way too long on being unique, but you are unique because God has made you the way you are. With gifts and abilities to reach out and to pray uh, that more people reach out. All right, well, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Lord Jesus, thank you that you save. You're the one who saves. And you're the one who knows exactly all the things that you've done. And still you come in to pursue us, you run us down. And when we stop running away from you, we can turn to you and see who we are. Lord Jesus, thank you and praise you for all those things. And, uh, Lord, thank you so much that we can share this with each other and with the people around. Thank you, just don't, you don't just save us to sit and do nothing. You save us into a family. You give us a job. You give us significance. Help us to see what it is, Lord, and help us to rejoice. Help us to see that that is abundant life in you, Jesus. Freedom to be who you created us to be. 